looking for insightful and heartfelt conversations about social justice, activism, and innovation? I'm glad to recommend the podcast, All Inclusive with Jay Rudderman. Hosted by Jay Rudderman, a social activist and philanthropic leader in diversity and social justice. Every other Monday, Jay interviews leaders and experts on the latest news, technology, and advocacy for a more socially just world. Hear leaders like PBS NewsHour's Judy Woodruff discuss her remarkable career in journalism and work in disability advocacy. Curb Your Enthusiasm's Cheryl Hines on inclusion in Hollywood. In order to create an innovative future, honest discussions must be held. All Inclusive will inspire you to keep learning and to take action to build a positive future. Listen to All Inclusive wherever you're listening right now. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. This month, we're talking about troublemakers and villains. We're covering stories from across the spectrum, from women who made good trouble to women who thrived in illicit industries, to villains in the truest sense of the word. All of the women we're covering had a major impact on the societies in which they lived. Today's episode is about a real villain, If you're listening with young children, you may want to sit this one out. Our story today takes us to a small, unassuming town just a ferry ride away from Seattle, Washington. While not much remains of what the locals called Starvation Heights, it was once the site of a hotly contested murder trial in the early 1900s. The villain in question masqueraded as a physician while starving her patients to death to obtain their sizable estates. We're talking about Linda Hazard. Linda was born in 1867 in Carver County, Minnesota. By the age of 18, she married and had two children. Her children were still young when she left the family to pursue a career in medicine in Minneapolis. By 1902, Linda was divorced from her first husband. This coincided with the death of her first patient. The coroner ruled starvation as the cause of death. But Linda was not prosecuted because she didn't hold a medical license. Linda had minimal medical experience as an osteopathic nurse. Still, she insisted on calling herself a doctor. Her medical ideology revolved around the idea that food was at the root of all illness, specifically too much food. Linda self-published a book called Fasting for the Cure of Disease, in which she advocated for letting the digestive system rest through near-total fasts for extended periods of time. Around that time, Linda met her second husband, Samuel Hazard, Sam had recently been dismissed from the military for misappropriating army funds. He was also already married. Following his marriage to Linda, Sam was convicted of bigamy and was sentenced to two years in prison. When Sam was released in 1906, the couple relocated to Washington State, where a loophole in state law allowed Linda to practice medicine. They lived on a 40-acre estate on the Olympic Peninsula in Olala, Washington. 
Linda commuted to Seattle by ferry to treat patients while constructing a sanitarium on their sprawling property. At the time, alternative and even dangerous medical practices were common. But Linda's were particularly nefarious. Her fasting regime included daily enemas that went on for hours, and what she called massages that more accurately resembled beatings. Linda preyed on wealthy patients. As they reached delirium, she siphoned funds from their estates or swindled jewelry and other valuables. Linda's most famous victims were sisters, Dorothea and Claire Williamson. They were both in their early 30s, rich and hypochondriacs. Dorothea and Claire saw an ad for Linda's book in a newspaper and made a trip to visit her in Seattle. In February of 1911, they decided to undergo Linda's fasting treatment. They did not tell other family members who were already disdainful of the sisters' interest in unorthodox medicines. For months, Linda fed the two women only thin vegetable broth as they endured daily enemas and beatings. By April, the two sisters were emaciated and nearly delirious. They were transferred by ambulance to Linda's home sanitarium in Olala. Linda's attorney received a shaky signature from Claire in which Claire agreed to sign over her monthly stipend to Linda. Fortunately, prior to their move to the sanitarium, one of the sisters managed to send a cable to their childhood nurse, Margaret Conway. Apparently, the cable was so nonsensical that Margaret immediately set sail for the Pacific Northwest on a hunch that the girls were in danger. Margaret arrived in June of 1911. Sam Hazard greeted her at the ferry dock, where Margaret was informed that Claire Williamson had died. Her sister, Dorothea, had gone insane. When Margaret arrived at the sanitarium in Olala, she was horrified. Dorothea was only 60 pounds, essentially a human skeleton, living in a wooden shack on the property. When Margaret tried to have Dorothea released to her care, Linda refused. Linda informed Margaret that Linda had received power of attorney and legal guardianship of Dorothea. Linda had been made executor of Claire's estate and had helped herself to much of the woman's fortune. Once, while giving Margaret an update on Dorothea's health, Linda was dressed in one of Claire's favorite silk gowns. Desperate to help Dorothea escape, Margaret sent news to Dorothea's uncle in Portland, Oregon. Also a very rich man, he was able to buy Dorothea's freedom for roughly $1,000, but would be close to a $27,000 ransom today. To avenge Claire's death, Dorothea's family financed the prosecution against Linda Hazard. She was arrested in August of 1911, and a courtroom spectacle broke out around the trial. Linda cried sexism. She claimed she was being persecuted for being a successful woman in a male-dominated field. Despite her lack of credentials, she chastised courtroom reporters for not calling her Dr. Hazard. She would say, I have told you time and time again, it is Dr. Hazard. Mrs. Hazard is my mother-in-law. Some of the coverage did blatantly hint at sexism. A headline in the Seattle Daily Times read, Woman M.D. Kills Another Patient, implying that Linda's gender 
rather than her cruel and torturous practices, was what led to her patient's death. Linda was also the beneficiary of sexism at the time. The evidence in the case was damning. An extensive paper trail of her financial dealings and a forged diary from Claire claiming Claire wanted Linda to have her diamonds led the jury to convict. However, Linda was only convicted of manslaughter, not murder, a lesser crime. The press speculated that Linda was let off easy because she was a woman. Linda served just two years in prison. Following her release, Linda and Sam relocated to New Zealand, where Linda continued to write books about fasting. By 1920, the couple had financially recovered and returned to Olala, where Linda built her dream sanitarium. No longer able to practice medicine, she called it a school of health. She continued to starve people. In 1935, the sanitarium burned down. As her health started to turn, Linda embarked on her own fast to cure herself. Three years later, Linda died. It's estimated that she starved at least a dozen patients to death. You can still find Linda's books online and in some natural healing bookstores. Modern versions of fasting your way into health, like juice cleanses and extreme calorie reduction diets, are still popular to this day. All month, we're talking about troublemakers, the good and really bad kinds. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.